Let it breathe. <laughs> Big Blue! I am working on letting the music breathe a little bit. Big Blue We're is getting in the better house! At it. Episode 122, and we got a special guest for you. His name is Justin Pugh. I'm liking the rhymes. My man. Yeah. Uh, let me let me just get some of the episode stuff out of the way before we start talking to Pugh. We have a packed show uh, from everything from Calvin Johnson to I get to shit on Peyton Manning more to looking at the wide receivers, and we have some really good questions. But 121... My boy Lapone got upset at me because we didn't bring up Joel Embiid. Uh, Billy Mustafa got upset that we didn't say Sean Taylor. Oh, that was, I mean, that hurts me, actually, that yes. I forgot Sean Taylor. Uh, and did you see your man Joel Embiid try to catch a home run in the home run derby? Yeah, he's a freak of nature. It's our man. Are you a Sixers fan? But he didn't catch yeah, it. I'm a Sixers fan. Come on, man. He didn't do anything. He didn't, you know. It's a Joel bas- Embiid is a god. Don't speak bad about him. <laughs> Uh, it's a finger waiting to happen. Though, that is, is the thing. We, yes, anytime he gets near an injury, we freak out. Uh, 22's Mustafa added, you better say Emmett Smith and Fred Jackson. Yes. Uh, bef- I have a list here. Don't cheat on me, Pew. Uh, I, I literally got every single guy uh, known to man. 22's that come to mind for you right away. Mike Haynes. No, no, no. Um 22s that come to mind. Man, there's not a lot that actually come to my mind. Emmett Smith was, of course, the most That's prevalent exactly one. That's the only one I could think of right Mike now. Haynes, I knew of him because my dad always says that was the best corner he ever played against, him or Daryl Green. So gotcha. the old Raiders uh, corner. Let yeah. me see if Hold these... on, hold on. Give okay. me some other, like, quiz me a little. What are some other teams? I need are... a hint, yeah. Yeah, just give me a hint. There's a really good one on the Chiefs right now. Oh, Marcus Peters. Yep. Crap. There's a really good one on the Chargers. Oh, oh, Jason Verrett. Yeah. That's right. Uh, there's a uh, really up-and-coming one on the Titans. Oh, our man Derek Henry. Yes. Uh, and then all time, uh, you better know this, one of the best running backs in Eagles history. Deuce. He was 22. Deuce Staley, for sure. He yes. was, wow. So current NFL players, defensive backs, Keanu Neal, Jimmy Smith, mm. Marcus Peters, Jason Verrett, Tremaine Johnson, Harrison Smith, Sidney Jones, we'll wait and see. I keep doing this like you're an eagle. I'm sorry. William Gay, because he's from my School hometown. the Eagles! Uh, running back, Christian McCaffrey, C.J. Anderson, Mark Ingram, Matt Forte, C.J. Proceis, Doug Henry, Derek Burnett, and then all-time... Or Derrick Henry, uh, Reggie Bush, Roger Craig, Olandis Gary, Bob Hayes, Asante Samuel, and Deuce Staley. Wait, wait, you said Roger Craig? That's all I have here. Right. He must have worn it for a short amount of time. Where? I don't even. He was always thirty-three for the 49ers. NBA players uh, all time: Elgin Baylor, Dave mm. DeBusher, Clyde Drexler, Brevin Knight, Damn, Larry Nance, Tayshawn Prince. Michael Red was a fucking hell of a shooter, man. He was a beast. And Andrew Tony for the Sixers fans. After all those basketball people you just named out, you decided to single out Michael yeah. Red. Michael because, Red. Because Elgin Baylor, Clyde Jackson, Michael Red. I I like to think about the guys that we you. I don't know, man. Like I think about who is the Bell He's, guy. I, from Boston College. Like, I love the guys that had the very short amount of time that don't get talked about. You're talking about the small. running back from BC? I can't think of his yeah. name either. But then also, currently, Otto Porter, Andrew Wiggins, and all that stuff. A little more talent there than I thought. Uh, your number is 67. Yeah. If you could choose any number, what would it be if it wasn't 67? I was 13 growing up. And like really? Everything like basketball, hockey, 6 plus 7, if you guys know the ah. mathematicians in here. Ah-ha. I got to keep 13 somehow. 
man. Uh, and now you got some bum on your team rocking. But did you want sixty-seven though when you got to the Giants? Did you actually say it, or were they just like, "This is what's left over," and you just said, "Okay, I can deal." I with was it. seventy-two my rookie year, and the guy that had sixty-seven eventually. I took a year to kind of get it away from him, and yeah. then you know people say they they pay crazy amounts. I just bought his family a couple of New Jerseys for cool. with his new number, and he gave me sixty-seven. So it worked out. Right. What's the craziest amount you've heard of anybody or seen anybody on any of your teams uh, deal out cash yet? Like I saw Cadillac Williams dish out. 32,000 to Tory Cox for the number 24 when he wow. was a rookie. But he was the fifth pick in the draft and oh, four he, rookie salary cap, so he had it. He oh, was doing well. I, right. I think John Beeson bought his number when he got to the Giants. I don't know what he paid for yeah. it, though. That was that was weird. Uh, this guy, Spencer Pacinger, sold his jersey number like three times. Oh. So he was doing well. He Every year he would you know, he'd make a little check every week off of his jersey. That's the move. If, if there's any way you could switch your jersey number right after the draft, like you look up all the players and what they wore in college and be like, I'll take 12. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so we last uh, on Monday, we're now doing two podcasts a week, we talked about coaches who would be the best fighters in the NFL, uh, past or present, and we have some issues with the present one. Uh, Shabane 21 commented on iTunes, Dan Campbell needs to be for for coaches that can fight yes um we tried to avoid the ex-players like yeah dan campbell tight end for bill parcells yes of course he's gonna whoop whoop some ass yeah like we said jim harbaugh would probably kill people because yeah. he's a psychopath yes. yeah he's definitely Do you a, tri- he's a, he's a try hard guy yes. um Back when uh, you know Coughlin was there, he might have given somebody exactly. Yeah. We talked about <laughs> was it. Was he like actually. the rank to the bottom of the no, list? No, no. We talked about him. He's old now, but we were like, he's feisty little. We're crap. like, he's going to get everything he has, and he's going to put the pressure point in the back of the neck. Bpags eighty five says, "I'm surprised neither of you said Dan Quinn." Dan is a rough dude. He is. Um, Mustafa again says, Sean McDermott would straight body any coach. He has a wrestling mat in his house. I read that he actually trains with MMA in the offseason. I, I did not know but that. He tiny. is in shape. He is really tiny. But you can't, hey, it could be a powerhouse. You never know. That's the age-old argument. You always see these little UFC fighters. And I'm like 6'5". I think I'm a big guy. I did a little bit of the MMA. They would kick my ass. They throw you in a chokehold and you can't get out. Is of it yeah. just leverage or is it just they know all the moves? They know the moves. Okay, so and that's if moves. you're on the mat. But I'm asking if you're at a bar and a dude bum rushes you. I mean, you're just gonna an MMA guy bum rushes you. A you're boxer, in trouble. Like I he's think, gonna go right for your legs. I think I could drop Floyd Mayweather if we got into a street fight. You yes. know what I mean? I think I would just grab him. I'm too strong for him. But I think if I got in a fight with Conor McGregor in the streets and he's weighing 155 and I'm 310, double his weight. I still think he chokes me out. I well, mean, it's scary. You're right. Because I messed around with those guys, too. They knew. They know all the places to grab you, turn you, and I don't care how much stronger you yeah. are than if you don't know the techniques. They'll dominate you. I'm with you, though. I used to cause a big ruckus in the Tennessee Titans locker room because I used to say, if you stuck me and Floyd Mayweather in a room, I'm coming out. Yeah. I might have a broken nose. Or whatever, but if I get my hands on him, I'm gonna wrestle him and whoop his ass. Exactly, that's, that's how I feel. That. We're gonna that's get to that yeah. in two seconds. Uh, Matt Noise NFL said Jim Tom Sula and Kaz, who works here at Bleach Report, said I think Todd Bowles could probably. Oh, be some Bowles up. probably could. Bowles, yes. I feel like would take it very seriously. Bowles is a powerhouse. Before the, you know Legs what, let's, and just, ass. let's go into Mayweather McGregor right now. Uh, the big comments from their press conference yesterday. McGregor saying I'm going to knock him out within four rounds. Mark my words. Yep. Uh, he also wore a suit in which it was lined with fuck you up and down the suit. Uh, I am someone that I don't want to pay for this fight. Uh, I have not enjoyed any Mayweather fight in like the last five to ten years. I also, just from watching video of McGregor, go, I don't see him making it a fight. How much would you re- reasonably pay for a ticket to go? I, 
My wife wants to go. Well, no shit. She wants to go. She's like, where's the fight? And I was like, Las Vegas. She's like, well, let's go. Can you call somebody? Let's go. And I'm like, no, it's not during a good time of the year. But I would go to this fight. I understand. Like, I, I know I'm probably all of us. I think Floyd Mayweather's going to win the fight. Yes. Yeah. We know that. But I'll just throw my two cents on it. First of all, first of all. McGregor is amazing at press conferences. The amazing. fact that he bagged on Floyd Mayweather for not having a suit and yes. wearing a jumpsuit and all the money problems, the I mean, that was awesome. Yeah. But if you ever watch Conor McGregor, he boxes in every fight. Can he be Neanderthal enough to just sit there and go, I'll let you punch me because you haven't knocked anybody out in 15 years, Yeah. and can he land one? I think I, I wanted to go to the fight. We played the Jets that day, so obviously I can't make it. <sighs> That's a big um, one. Preseason three. Exactly. Um, but what if? What if is the only reason I'd want to watch the fight? Right, uh-huh. I'd want to pay for the fight. I want to watch it. Because you're going to see these press conferences are going to get worse and worse. They almost they wanted to fight yesterday at the press conference. But obviously it, it was so far from happening because we're sitting from me to you. And he's literally like, let's do it right now then. And they both just kept saying it and nothing yes. happened. But what if one time McGregor oh. catches him? Oh, I know. I just, after seeing the Nate Diaz fight where he hit his jaw and he got all dazed, and I'm like, Nate Diaz can't even punch. And now McGregor's going to come out there. So I don't think it's going to be much of a fight. I don't remember the last time we had a what-if moment. Like, what was the last sporting event that it was so, everyone was sure that one team was going to win, and then the other team miraculously pulled it out? 2011 Super Bowl. I, I was I was actually going to say 2007 Super Bowl. Yeah. Was that, was that, which one was undefeated? No, 2007. Okay, so more seven then. Seven yeah. was definitely the Patriots, one. Patriots-Giants. Yeah, that is yeah. certainly one I can think of. Like Another one that comes to mind with the Yankees is 3-0 against the Red Sox in the American League Championship Series. They blew it, but even going into that series, we're like, oh, the Yankees are going back to the I'll be honest, series. Falcons-Patriots. If you really think back, everyone point. was going Patriots definitely, and then the fact that the story now is they came back from down twenty eight to three. But yes. beforehand, we were going it's over. But how many points can the Falcons score with yeah, that right, offense? Right. Uh, three questions then for McGregor and Mayweather. Since I'm not actually interested in who's going to win, or four or three, who's better at the mic? I think Conor McGregor is. I think Conor McGregor is maybe the best I've ever seen anybody at the mic. I think yeah. he's as good as selling himself in a fight as anybody I've ever seen. All right, Pew, he literally one. took himself from getting $60,000 in a fight to $100 million in like two years. It's unbelievable. Yes. Pew, you go first on this one. Who would you rather party with? Floyd. Ooh. He's got so much money. So, so much. Just you're going private jets everywhere. It's just yeah. going to be insane. Right, so he's going not there yet. <sighs> I, I, I think I'd rather go Connor, though. What's I, your reason? Just party because he just seems like he's going to be fun. He doesn't give a shit about what anybody thinks. He's dropping f bombs on national TV. Yeah, doesn't give a damn. He's got a hundred million now, so he's doing all right. I think he doesn't May- have it yet. No, he, doesn't he doesn't have, have it yet. It. Exactly. I think Mayweather would be someone that you would see things you've never seen before. But I think McGregor would be more fun to party yes. with. Mayweather might be like, I got a real sketchy thing I want to do, and I'd be like, I don't want to fuck with you, Floyd. Like, <laughs> you gonna? He owns like strip clubs and stuff. Now he's always promoting his strip club. Yeah, I guess he's got to pay the IRS back. So he's does he get... legitimately not have the liquidity to pay that right now? I mean, who knows what he's doing with his he money? He whipped a hundred million dollar check good. out. Right. So here's how I look at it. I think about. Um, remember, I was saying with two a.m. workouts that if you post one every four weeks, then that means in my mind you're only doing that once every four weeks. The reason I think McGregor could be in financial trouble is he's always putting out that six hundred thousand dollar bet that he wins. He never posts the bets that he loses. Your McGregor does or Mayweather? No, Mayweather. Mayweather. Okay, Mayweather. Sorry. So how many of those huge million-dollar bets has he lost over the years? That is a good question. Because the house always fucking wins. Yes. Uh, and then whose body abilities would you rather steal for a day? 
McGregor or Mayweather? I'll let you answer guest Pew. McGregor, definitely. I yeah. mean, the dude, he, like, he does like this mobility stuff where he like does crazy like acrobatic stuff. And he can do it all. He can do it. The MMA, he's the complete fighter, the yes. more complete fighter. I don't really care to be a boxer for a day. I'd rather be an, the most badass M- MMA Yeah, you've fighter. done the MMA thing, so you know what it's I like. I really like you, and you're really, but you're freaking crazy. <laughs> you want to be Floyd Mayweather. No, I don't. He no, had the quickest freaking hands we have ever seen. So that would be me. I mean, I would love I, to be able to. I, how many big-time fights have we seen where you can't hit him, and then he hits you? The, yeah. So that would be, I would choose it. I, yeah. But yeah. walking down the street as Floyd Mayweather, like, like me and you both think we can beat him up. Yes, but I we know. both don't think we could beat up Conor. McGregor. I would be a little scared, no doubt about it. There so would give be me more the, fear. So do I get to I get be that. still six five, which is his skill set? No, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm a little ass. Body. But he's a little <laughs> bit bigger. Floyd looks like a cute. Yes, I, he's I, so little. I'll say this: I don't know how much of you guys saw like them being interviewed yesterday, but the, I did find it. I thought Mayweather on the off the stage interviews was very. Almost as complimentary as McGregor's ever. Now, maybe he's really I'll smart, tell you why. too. No, you mean Mayweather was complimenting McGregor. He really was. I because mean, kept... I think that he knows yes. that McGregor's not going to be a fight, and if he comes out there and insults him like he should, no one's going to buy the fight. I think he's gassing him up to yeah. keep the pay-per-view. Right. The reason that I would pick Mayweather mm-hmm. in terms of stealing the body is I've always wanted to do that that quick jab hand thing oh, with right, like right. his dad where it's like, like the ability to move your hands at that speed. Like, if you've ever tried to shadow box, what he does is fucking crazy. It's insane. Uh, so, for people that don't know Justin Pugh, which you should, he's one of the best guards in the NFL, uh, started off uh, right around the corner from me in Newtown, Pennsylvania, and then he went to Syracuse. So, in essence, he said, I like what this Lefko kid is doing. I'm going to do exactly what he's fucking doing. <laughs> You made the blueprint. I just followed it. It's know? perfect. It's perfect. So I've my family has known your family forever. We have close family friends. Shout out to the learners. Um, but ha- were you always the biggest motherfucker? Like I know that you were big when you were younger. But did, were you always? Were people always like, man, you could you could make it to the NFL? No one thought I was going to make it. From where we're from, like yeah. no one's been really successful in sports at all. Council Rock doesn't really put out. Who were the other people like when you would go to like the local Hall of Fame stuff or whatever? Yeah, who would you put in the Council Rock Sports know. Hall of Fame? I'm ben Luber? Yeah, he played at Penn State. Yeah. I mean, basketball player. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I was the first D1 from South. North, I, I wouldn't know the guys from North. Right. Um, but since me, there's been some kids go Division One for football. Um, so that's been good. But, yeah, I was the first one to get to the NFL, which and is your, crazy. And your storyline's been the same in Syracuse, where it was like, he's got great hands, he's got great feet, he can play any position on the line. And I feel like that's what people say about you for like the last five years, yeah. that's been the storyline. I've been pushing that I can play all five positions since like I came out for the draft. So that's yeah. like I built my brand, like you know who you want to be, and that's what the Giants are really all about. I mean, you look at the David Deals, Chris Sneeze, those guys that play multiple positions, sure. and that's what I think makes a good offensive lineman. But you now you're anywhere. a guard. Guard. Like when I see you do press now, I'm a guard. Yeah. What's what's your like? Just give give the people out there who are listening like left tackle when you had to do that and deal with you know some of the top tier pass rushers in football, just like. The different skill set and what it takes to be and the mindset of a left tackle compared to guards. So, for in general, don't take offense to this if you're listening. People don't know shit about offensive line play. Yes. Everyone thinks it's like, oh, you played left tackle. You can easily play center. I mean, you played right side. You can easily play left side. Yeah, right. It's It really is completely different. Um, I played left tackle all through college and got drafted. And I, as soon as I got here, I'm like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll – 
be at left tackle. And I was, you know, I played a little bit at right tackle, and I thought I'd be able to switch over to. I get there, it was like night and day. Everything's mm-hmm. flipped. The easiest way to the quarterback, you know, obviously the inside. I'm so used to like being dominant with my right hand, right leg in there. Right. Flipping on Sunday Night Football, and I have Demarcus Ware lining up against <sighs> me. I'm like, holy shit! Like this is yeah. this is the real deal. Sure. So just being able to flip sides, left tackle versus right tackle, was night and day. Um, obviously, you're dealing at tackle with the best athletes on in the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we already talked about some of those guys. Guys, you know, on the Giants right now, we have Jason Pierre-Paul, Olivier Vernon, like some of the best pass rushers. You have Von Miller. You're going who, against. Who did you find just, just as, when you were a tackle? When you were like, you saw, you said Demarcus Ware, but anybody else where you were just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm gonna have to deal with this guy this week. Who was the guy? So that, my first week was Dallas, right? With Demarcus Ware. Right. Second week was Denver, Von Miller. So wow. like my welcome to the NFL was like, <laughs> oh. all right, get ready to go. And and I struggled early. There's this guy Charles Johnson that was on the Panthers that sure. not a lot of people know about. Probably he's a beast, good but player, he, very good player. I struggled against him. Um, but I really picked it up. I, I became more of an asshole and went out there and just tried to fight people as opposed to like worrying about exactly where I always had to be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what, it, what was it? Was it a film session where you went, <laughs> screw technique, I need to punch this guy in the mouth? Like what was that, I'm going to drop that? We used to watch film with the whole offense. So, you know, Gilbride would be up there playing the film and me and Will Beatty would just be getting cussed out for like the first four weeks <laughs> of the season. And luckily – Will, our left tackle, was he was having a rough season as well, me and him, that same year. And uh, me and him kind of bounced back. We, we started out 0-6. It was a tough way to start your rookie year. But ended up, you know, ended up playing well towards the end of the season, got that all-rookie team, all that stuff. But uh, tackle is definitely a whole other animal for, for sure. different reasons. And well, yeah, that, you don't have help on either side, and it's there's there's this whole gap of space that they can go to. Yeah. Like, well, have. I guess unlike guard, you, you have to deal with different, like, athletic – Freaks too, right? Like one week it's a he's got tremendous power. The next week it's Von Miller and the speed and yeah. the ability to do it. So then go to the guard and what you got to deal with like with those animals. So now tackle, I'm like, all right, I go into guard. Guard tackle is actually nice. You're on the back side of like. 30% of the plays. So when we're not in third, third and long playing offensive tackle is the worst job in the NFL. Because huh. they know you're passing. There's nothing you can do. Yes. Your backside on the run plays, it's the easiest job in the NFL. You right. really don't have to do shit when you're backside in the tackle in the NFL. Just cut off a three technique. Which means, which what he's saying is if he's on the right side and they run left, you ain't got to do nothing. But he's talking about, oh yeah, right. Yes, exactly. So Unless you're getting pulled. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Which rarely they do. So that's always nice. There's always like... 20 plays a game when you're looking at, like, I'm on the backside. I'm getting a plus-plus here. Like, the coach isn't yelling at me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't got to deal with anything. When you move into guard, you're hitting on every single play. So uh-huh. on your body, guard, center, guard, the inside three, is the toughest on your body. Mm-hmm. You have to be – I always say you have to get smarter as you go out. So, like, the center and quarterback, obviously, probably the smartest guys in the field. They're coming up, you know, declaring the defense, getting everyone set up. The guards echo the calls out to the tackles, and the tackles just – Worry about blocking the best player on third down. That's right. what you're getting paid for. Right. So the guard, it was a lot more physically demanding. My body had to get my weight up a little bit. And you get the shit beat out of you. You feel like you're in a car wreck after after a game playing guard. So, so I'm pulling. We pull yes. 15, 20 times a game. And I'm, I'm pretty good at pulling, so they you pull are. me a lot. And it's you know I'm coming from 10 yards away. He's coming from 10 yards away, and it's, Man. it's, it's a car accident. Uh, so I looked at some of the defensive tackles that you guys faced last year, and I was curious which ones stand out. Yep. Linval Joseph. Strongest human being in the NFL. Boom. Really? And we're prefacing with this that all these guys are awesome. So oh, don't, they're all freaking yeah, incredible. Right. Here, go like this. Good old you got a little left coat. Yeah, sweat yeah, sweat like left coat. Jeez. No, yeah, no, that's all right. I Bad guys I'm thinking, and a little coat. I'm thinking about those games where I had some <laughs> tough games, and I'm like, shit. Uh, uh, all right, uh, so strongest guy in the NFL. 
Uh, he was on the Giants too at one point. Exactly. Right. So I know I know from firsthand. One of the hardest working. Well, were you shocked that they let him go? The Giants shocked. Yeah. You know that's why we signed Snacks because we were like, oh shit, we should have should have kept him. Yeah. Yeah. And then were you shocked about Hankins this year? That one shocked us because it happened so late in free agency. You know, he wanted he had a number in his mind that yeah. he wanted to get, and and I don't know. I guess obviously the Giants weren't there, and right. uh, that's that's it's the business what of happens. the NFL. Yeah, it's it crazy. Is. No guys that I was drafted with are still on the team. Damn. From 2013. Who else was in your draft class? Me, I was first round. Hankins was second round. Demontre Moore, who was sure. supposed to be a top five pick, right. is no longer with the team. Uh, fourth round pick Ryan Nassib, quarterback out of Syracuse, right, right. gone. Fifth round was Cooper Taylor, a safety from Richmond, who never kept getting injured. And then after that, it's miracle. my best friend's sixth round, so I got to give him a shout out. Oh, it's yeah. My boy Eric Herman, the he nicest. Lived with you for a little bit, right? He is the nicest. He didn't live with me; his girl was there, um, so he lived with Ryan Nassa. But yeah. he is the best human being ever. Is he in the league still? Or? He's not. We should just bring him back to be a morale guy in the locker room because yeah. you come in on a Tuesday, you need a morale guy. Sure. And he was the best guy ever. I don't care what job you give him, he needs to be there. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Donald. The best defensive tackle in football. Really? Bar none. What, what is it like preparing? What is it like facing? So most people, I guess his name is more and more out there now. It's getting it, bigger. It, I think the fact that Hard Knocks was on him, uh, All or Nothing was on him, he's in L.A., and also like the PFF, PFF stuff. had him like the highest grades ever this year. Yeah. The, right. He is, well, first off, he's six foot. So I mean, six one, six foot. Right. If you see him, you don't think he's an NFL D tackle. Then you turn on the film. He gets off the ball a half yard quicker than any D lineman in the NFL. He is probably as strong as almost any guy in the NFL for how big he is. He's like 270. Yeah. And his explosiveness is what makes him so good. And he's an asshole, right. which I like. I mean, right. really, I, is I he like, talking trash? He doesn't talk at all. He, he won't say a word, but he'll like he just try to rip whistle. your head off. He'll right. just try to rip your head yeah. off. He's like a con- combination of like the Dominican Sioux, where he's mm. like an asshole. But then he has like explosion like a Von Miller, which is insane. Right. He's playing defensive tackle. Right. He was my biggest problem with not being in the top ten on the NFL channels, you right. know, top one hundred. He is definitely one of the ten best players in football. So I Easy. always think this when I'm watching a baseball game, when a pitcher finds that right uh, combination where he's hitting you with the strikes and then he just hits you with that off speed pitch and you fall for it. With Aaron Donald with that speed. What is the off speed? Is it like a like a stunt that you were not ready for it at all? Like, how can they mess with him because he's so dangerous? He just, you know, you have to make sure you take good sets. I mean, you really have to focus on what you're doing. Make sure your technique's on point, and make sure Eli gets the ball out quick. You really have to establish the run against the Los Angeles Rams first because you got to take their, their aggressive de- their wide defense lines. is very good. Exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. And, I played for Jeff Fisher, so I know what they. Yeah. They're all about get the quarterback mm-hmm. and then do everything else. Wait, so when you like practiced against uh, you, that was the London game, right? Yeah. This year when you played the Rams, right? Which sucked. Oh, I bet. Uh, I would hate to do that too. Holy yeah, it crap! Yeah, flips your whole sleep yeah, schedule. You guys so are like, I was just getting like back into the swing of things and like, all right, now go play a game like 9.30 in the morning. Right. Uh, um, I, I just want to – when you prepared for them, though, did like the coaches, you know, sometimes in certain positions they'll like – they might put a linebacker or a D tackle for you to practice in on third down because he's like the guy that can emulate the quickness of a Aaron yeah. Donald. Any of that or are they just – We didn't do that. Or like Because no. so, I was on teams where even like they put a keep to leave at defense end when I was in New England a few times. So it's like some of the tackles could get used to the get off of like, oh, we're playing Von Miller this week. Yeah. Well, wasn't Nikita that, Whitlock, wasn't he like a running back oh, or something yeah, like yeah, that? Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah. Like he was, was Tasmanian devil. Yeah. He, he played fullback and then all of a sudden – <laughs> Towards the end of the game, when, this was two years ago, and we really struggled to get to the quarterback. Yeah, he had like a sack or two in that game. We put Nikita Whitlock in, and he yeah. like got a yeah, he got a sack. Fletcher <laughs> Fletcher Cox. I don't go against Fletcher Cox okay. ever. He stays primarily on the right side, gotcha. but he is a, he's a beast. Geno Atkins. 
Geno Atkins is another one of those guys. Short, stocky. The reason why I, poor man's Aaron Donald. He was right now. he was Aaron he Donald. Was Aaron Donald. Aaron he Donald. got hurt. He got hurried towards ACL, yeah. but he's still a he's monster. Still They're good. so low to the ground too. So to have that leverage, I'm six five. He's six foot. Yeah. Automatically he has that leverage, and they're both very very strong. I mean, they're it's a deadly combination. Uh, Stefan Tuit, just a big guy. I wouldn't put him in the top. Okay, okay. Brandon Williams. He's a he's a he's a monster. I, I actually got I got, I got into a, a fight with him in the Senior Bowl. Like they were like somehow make a name for yourself, you know, get noticed. So I fought Brandon Williams like the first day. So you treated it like jail. You're like he's the biggest exactly. dude here, and I'm gonna punch him in the face. I don't know if that's a good strategy or not. It's good for you because you're huge. I'm not fighting anybody in jail. That was so, our game so plan at the Senior Bowl. It wasn't to like learn the X's and O's. It was to fight somebody. One of is the this first like from your practice. agent? Yeah, okay. that was our game plan. Me and him be the nasty offensive lineman because you know teams. I bet like you. That. I bet you went in the fucking first round. Yeah, I bet exactly. you it worked. So how did the fight go? Uh, you know, it was one of those ones. I've learned to fight on the football field since. There's an art to fighting with helmets on. You did get in a fight. You threw an uppercut on someone a few a off seasons ago. Uppercut. Yeah, who was it against? Demontre Moore. Dude, he came, I remember I DM'd you and was like, yo, that uppercut was sick. I saw it today. So when yes. we met, we were messaging today, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that fight. And it was, you grab the helmet and you throw an uppercut. Because guys hit guys in the head. And I've gotten into a lot of fights on <laughs> the football field because that's like the best part about it. You get, you get all your aggression out. Yes. And guys hit each other in the head and break their hands. No doubt. You grab like the face mask and, and you come throw underneath. an uppercut. Yeah, you come underneath. I hear Speaking I of fights. I had to make so many tapes of this guy, first of all. Do you know that? So I he was, used to work with the Patriots right, for a season, doing right. a lot of scouting for I them. I was the bitch boy. I you know, I was quality control in the yep. offense, and then I had a job as the scouting department. My 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 job, though, was to make tapes of all the NFL players in the Northeast college area, right? So Syracuse was in my area. So you, Nassib, I was making – I mean, I made – Weekly tapes of you, so you know Bill and whoever else could have an archive of Justin Pugh when it came draft time. I remember I got when I got when the, the craziest story from the interview, and I guess he watched some of our tapes. Right, Bill Belichick sat facing the other way while I'm watching the film with like Dante Scarnecchia and who was the offensive coordinator in 2013. Uh, it was Josh McDaniels. So yeah, Josh, yeah it was Bill O'Brien, one of those. I'm two. watching yeah, film with Josh them, though, yeah, and, and I yeah. T- and. Belichick's sitting behind me and he's like facing the other way with his computer just typing away and like he like asked me a question and I like turn around like not knowing if I should look at him or not he's like no no keep facing forward and I was like holy shit this is what Don't they're talking God. about there. <laughs> no, you know he's the mad scientist back there could putting you it all tell that Skarnekia is like the grand poobah of offensive linemen because the way he's talked about like he left for a year their offensive line sucked yeah. and Bill was like I need you back could you tell like was he a, could you tell he was a good coach in one meeting I think there's a lot of good offensive line coaches. I was fortunate enough. I played for Doug Marone, who was, yeah. who was one of the best offensive really line coaches. Um, then I came with Pat Flaherty, who was with the Giants when they had the best offensive line in football. Yeah. So I've been blessed with a lot of coaches that have been unbelievable. He's another one of those guys that's been around forever. And it's not so much as, obviously, every coach in the NFL has to know the X and O's. They won't be around very long if they don't. It's being able to get through to your players and get them to play at a high level. It's that coach that can get that extra 5%, 10% out of yeah. you. And he's one of those guys that his guys go to battle for and they don't want to let down. I think yeah. that's what makes him so We good. were talking about fights, and uh, you have a Twitter battle that I'm curious about. So you tweeted recently, at the airport and I forgot a hat. They only have Jets hats left. All of them are untouched. Literally not one Giants hat left. I wonder why. Loved it. I love that shit. You got a red dot on you now. And then Muhammad Wilkerson says, LOL, bro. Now you got that red dot. See you 826 at MetLife. For any of those that can't understand, a red dot would be like a sniper. Uh, You said, I guess no (laughs) Rangers tickets then, huh? So I'm assuming that you guys are friendly. 
But you know how people saw this and were like, oh, shit. Yeah, I think they think we're going to meet and do like a celebrity death match at like Madison Square Garden <laughs> at some time. I thought it was a joke, to be honest. I mean, I sat next to Mo at oh, a couple of Oh, so now you know it's, it's not a joke. Is it? I mean, like, oh, have I don't we, know. Have we confirmed? Have we, have we confirmed my life's on the line here? I don't. Uh, dude, you're in trouble. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I, I actually put all the bl- the window blinds down in my house <laughs> recently, so they don't know so when I'm walking around. Walking through, yeah. It's always, I, I walk around <laughs> only like with Mike the Corleone lights off. here, yeah. He's exactly. a beast, though, Muhammad. He is a big, strong man. I mean, they're, they're, they're defensive front. I mean, look, they got him. They got Leonard Williams. They got Sheldon Richardson. They, yeah. got, some, they got some goons up front, and those guys – are probably the bright spot of that team. I mean, if you yes. look at it, you can tell that he knows the NFL all through and through. And Very there's impressed. a lot of guys that don't. Not at all. That's you, what, that's what think... drives me crazy about the. Did you first of all? Did you vote on the NFL top 100? I did. You did. Okay. I put Aaron Donald on the top. Uh, okay. I'm just because I've talked to a number of players who're like, no, I've actually I've been in the football for 10 years now. And I've never been asked once. I was, to rank the, them. I was at the Super Bowl and they got what, somebody snagged you. exactly. Right. Got mm-hmm. you. Uh, do you find like a lot of guys on your team like watching football, or do you think that when they go home they kind of zone out? I like watching the games. I, I think most guys probably don't watch. You know, they, 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 I, you get so much. I heard of it. this about NBA players too. You I saw so that whole thing with LeBron. He's like, they, people don't even watch basketball when they go home. But no. it's you know just I mean, the way I, we I, watch so much film. So I probably watch every game through the course of a, a weekday right. that I know. Like I don't have to watch. It. I mean, I don't. I don't watch it yeah. all the time. Right. Uh, but I, it's amazing, again, because they, everybody thinks, yes, yeah, since you played, that these guys are all students of the game and everybody knows. I mean, no, I was in quarterback rooms where the quarterbacks didn't watch a Monday night football game. And I was just, you know, I couldn't fathom that. Yeah. As a player, well, you especially. You guys, I mean, quarterbacks. Yeah, but I, I had quarterbacks who were like, yeah, no, I mean, listen, I, we're playing this team this week. I'm studying my game plan, and that's it. But yeah, yeah I always found it another way to learn more knowledge. Let me steal the play from Monday night football that I saw, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, I remember, I so the, d- the day you got drafted, that video of you and your guys celebrating went all over the place. Did you get prank called that day, too? Yeah, I did. So my asshole friends, I know, <laughs> you, you met most of those guys. We all have a tattoo. We all have an eight tattoo. It looks like the Google G. I get made fun of all the time. He has it's, a friend tattoo, too. I have a friend too. tattoo as well. Yeah, welcome there to the club. There you go. Yeah, He's got I one of those ankles. He's way. got Kyle Shanahan's initials on his uh, calf. I do. Legitimately, a few people, four guys, and, four, then, there's, and four there's a people. huge W that's in like block letters for there, the wood. But I'm go. with you, yeah. So we got an eight. Looks like the Google G. Eli calls us the Infinity Bros. Um, <laughs> whatever, we roll with it. So, day I'm getting drafted, you know, obviously I'm nervous as shit. Don't know if I'm gonna go first round. Um, I get a call. I'm, we're at the Wawa in Richboro. You know, I'm saying where it is. Oh, oh, back some Wawa. memories. Yeah. You know, you're in Bringing Central Jersey or below if you're going to Wawa. Get a hoagie. So I'm in Wawa getting something to eat, and I get a call from a block number. And I figure, you know, I'm, I'm ready for any call. I'm answering every call. You never know who's calling. And it's my buddy's like, you know, this is so-and-so from the Cleveland Browns, and they have like the second or third pick, whatever it was that year. And I'm like, holy shit. So <laughs> he's like, you know, we're looking at taking you tonight with this pick, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, holy shit. And like, so I, I, I'm not even listening to what he's saying, really. I'm just like, it's the Cleveland Browns. They have like the sixth or seventh overall pick. This is amazing. So as soon as I hang up, like I call my parents right away. I'm like, yo, the Cleveland Browns just called me. Um, and as soon as I go to call my agent, all my buddies in the car start cracking up because there was three of us there, but the other four were like not with us. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, just so you know, that was Harrison that called you. And I'm like, you <laughs> fucking assholes. <laughs> it's good to have friends like that. And then I, I have another story that uh, apparently you took a Madden loss rough one time and you put somebody through a table. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
you I know, did a little dirt digging. So like me and all my, my same guys, Infinity same friends, Bros. Infinity, Infinity Bros. Bros. And actually when I got drafted, they were like, so it looks like you had uh, you know an underage drinking here where the Infinity Bros related with that. And I had like a fishing without a license. So like these guys have been around and every story kind of, they're in it somehow. They, they, they mess with me somehow. That's so funny. And uh, so I guess one time we were playing Madden and I'm like a sore loser. I don't like to lose to my nephew who's 10 years old in hockey, you I know, nothing. You. I hear you. And I'm playing him and I think I lost. Like, you know, I threw a bomb with like a couple seconds to go. And I, I mean, we might have had, I forget what, what it was that pissed, pissed me yeah. off. Yeah. Well, it's Jake and this is our friend Jake who talks a lot of shit. So he probably was just yapping. Yeah, and I think I ended up hitting him, and he's like a soft. He's a softer guy. Very he's, a, soft. he's a delicate, delicate guy. Yeah, if he met Sims, Sims, if you went up and did one of your like little squeeze the shoulder, he'd be like, "No, stop it! What are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> this is how I get back at him for saying this yes. story. So he's yeah. a little, little bit on the softer side. Yeah, and you know, I might have shoved him soft a little too ass hard. Jake. Yeah. Oh, this is gonna be great. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. And um, yeah, hit the table and like hit the corner and like went down into a heap. So like. I'm a, I'm a sore loser. I'll take that. But he could have taken the shove a little yeah. better, too. It's uh, something with a name. Our producer, Jake, is he's soft as baby crap, too. <laughs> I want to do one thing really quick, and then I want to start talking about uh, a bunch of different things around the NFL. Man, the two things have changed in the NFL. One, offensive linemen don't seem to know how to come into the NFL and play anymore. There's like an epidemic. Is this something that you guys talk about, too, with young guys coming, whether it's the spread offense or whatever it is? It's just in college, and they're now running a lot more gimmicky offenses where it's a lot of, you know, hurry up, get to the ball, go. You're not really – you're more trying to tire those guys out than, yeah. than beat them with technique. And that's the thing that I think a lot of the guys struggle with when they come in. And they're a lot smaller, I would say, now, too, compared to what they no have No doubt. In the past. And like you said, you were with Doug Marone at Syracuse. Right. It was like Johnny offensive line. You probably had all the professional running plays. Yeah. Like how many of them do you get coming to your uh, – you know, into the locker room, into the meeting rooms, and you go – Damn, they've never done anything but inside and outside zone. I mean, does that like they they have no background of play uh, in depth plays at all? Well, I know Weston Richburg came in and he seemed to be advanced. Yeah, well, he played guard right away too, and he was a natural center. Right, but a lot of times. The coaches now also don't really worry about offensive line play as much. To be honest, all these coaches that are getting head coaching jobs now in college. They don't really have – I feel like most of these guys are like run and gun, no, get me points, get, get me points. Get them in space. You're going to get our athletes in space. Yeah, I remember reading yeah. about you nonstop going into the draft. Doug Marone was his coach, so you know his fundamentals are great. I think there is a direct correlation between offensive linemen not being good in the NFL and experienced guards all of a sudden getting paid like offensive tackles because it's so much harder to find offensive linemen in the draft yeah. that I think when you first entered the league, you probably said, I want to be a tackle because you know look at the contracts look at the contracts it's a huge difference yeah. well now you know Osemele and Gabe Jackson are getting 11 plus a year TJ Lang just got nine and a half Zeitler got 12 these are all guys that you know but other than the 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 Raiders guys really weren't in pro Bowls uh and they're getting monster contracts you're coming up I'm excited to watch you get paid I, I'm just gonna put this out there we are a player first podcast mm-hmm. I don't think I think you have set yourself up so wonderfully as someone who dealt with all the bullshit in the beginning of the Giants of not having a line, having to play everywhere, not complaining, doing well at every single position, doing what you had to do, and then the grace of God, you've stayed healthy the whole time, and the market is hitting at the perfect fucking time. I am super excited for you, and I'm excited to see what happens, man. Yeah, it's a good time to be a guard in the NFL. You know, obviously... 
I'm not a greedy guy. I can live the lifestyle I want to live. You know, I don't need to be the highest paid guard. I never have asked and come out and say, I want to be the highest paid guard in the NFL. I just want what's fair. And, you know, obviously going into my fifth year, the Giants picked up my fifth year option. I feel like the ball's in my court. I mean, yeah. obviously I have I have this year going through, like I'm, I'm looking at insurance and stuff now, which is crazy. It's a whole nother side of this game that like people don't even realize to yeah. like, make sure you protect yourself. Right. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, the it's, insurance it's definitely thing, exciting. We've talked about it a lot. It's a scary thing when you're in that contract mm-hmm. here. It's very scary. I know I, I did the same thing uh, coming out of college, though, not when I was a free agent. I should have done it when I was about to be a free agent because I then lost my spleen and never got the money I should have got. So there definitely do that. Uh, other thing, wait, I just want to go in. Who's the best guard in football, in your opinion? Osemily. Osemily? Yeah. Over Zach Martin? Over Zach Martin. Ooh, yeah, actually, you're right. Two different type of players. Yes. Though. Osemily, yeah, those will be my our top two we widely We've discussed. Osemily yes. is a, a, a mauler. Right. He's going to get his hands on you, and like you're not going to like what's happening. Right. <laughs> Zach Martin is a technician. Yeah. He has the best technique. If you watch his feet, they're never like narrow. They're never too wide. It's actually just like it's amazing. And to put him on that O-line in general, watching Dallas's O-line, because yeah. Tyron Smith is the best lineman in the NFL, in ooh, my ooh. opinion. I like that. Okay. Um, so to watch that offensive line play, it's 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 pretty special. All right, hold on. We'll have to go one yeah, more please. thing. So as a, I want to know this because I you know I'm a Giants fan. Gabe over here, he's, he's guy with the pants down and his hands <laughs> in his spot. He's a Giants fan as well. Uh, all right, do offensive linemen and here in New York, you guys are the problem. The offensive linemen, the only thing holding back the New York Giants. So are the offensive linemen? You know, do they notice that? And then also, I want you to tell us about Eric Flowers because he's the other part of that. It's the offensive lines holding the Giants back here in New York, and Eric Flowers has to move or change or be gone. So set the record straight with all that crap. So I think if you look at our team last year, I mean, we were in like three receiver sets, and yes. kind of we kind of fell into that because of a personnel. We ha- we didn't really have like a tight end on on like, like a couple guys got hurt. We lost Nikita Whitlock, our fullback. Right? Yes. So you get into a point where like we were passing a lot, and that's just part of the game. We weren't always winning games, so sometimes you have to come back and throw it. But obviously, we didn't do a good enough job last year. We didn't run the ball well enough. But if you look at running the ball, everyone's involved in that as well. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we brought in some guys. We brought in Rhett Ellison, who probably no one really – Really good blocking tight end from the Vikings. Really good blocking tight end. He's right. going to help us out tremendously. I was at a wedding with him two weeks ago. And he's a great dude. Great I mean, dude. Great Seems dude. We like signed – um, uh, not signed. We drafted Ingram in the first round. Right. right. And he's sticking his nose in there and blocking guys. As on an offensive line, we brought in DJ Fluker, yeah. Alabama guy. Right. The biggest – he literally couldn't fit through that door right biggest now because he's so ever. big. Yes. So he's going to come in and he's going to be able to help it's us. It's just depth sometimes too. And obviously we have to do better up front. That's first and foremost. I mean, the offensive line didn't get the job done in the run game last year. We know it. Everyone else knows it. If you want to be able to open up the lanes for an Odell Beckham, now a Brandon Marshall, Sterling Shepard – we have to run the ball better, and I think we know that. Yeah. Um, Paul Perkins, I'm excited to get back. Definitely, he's uh, a he dynamic some really running good back. Flashes last Shane Barine getting healthy, who, who you know he kept he had a you know a tricep thing last year that held him out. He's a great running back. Yeah. So we obviously love to throw the ball. Everyone knows that. Got to get out eleven personnel all the time to be a successful running the, team. The Three mo- receivers. Ninety percent of the time, yeah, you guys were in eleven personnel. We did a video of it. It was ninety. It was like higher than that. It was like ninety-seven. If you look at when we played the Packers, they were like pressuring those looks, and like we had safeties just coming free, hitting guys. Right. Mm. So it, it's a combination of a lot of things. I think we have to make sure we let the coaches know we can run the ball. Right. So when you take that fear like oh third and short we have to we have to pass the ball because our o-line can't pick it up that starts you know in the back of the the play caller's head which is coach McAdoo so I think we have to early on establish hey you can depend on us and that'll kind of make him more likely to go to those personnels how famous is Odell Beckham Jr. I mean there's not many guys in any sport besides basketball there's maybe three or four guys that are on his level he goes anywhere 
it's a mob. Yeah. I, mean, I know you've experienced it before. Being like seeing him out in public. Tell us everything about other, him. Tell us what you like about him. Go ahead. Everybody, nobody knows Odell Beckham Jr., including us. I'd like to hear it. So I sell. I'm always, I'm always saying that he's, he's one of the nicest guys. He's one of the funniest guys. He comes in. He wants to take care of his teammates. He's t- he, one night he'll be, he'll text me and be like, "Let's take. I want to take the O line out to dinner." And he'll take us out to dinner. And this, but then once you go out and you see him out, it's like this kid's life is on a whole another level. Right. So everyone always tries to tear him down. Right. And I'm always like, imagine if you were 24, 25 years mm-hmm. old, had the world by the balls. Everybody wants a piece of you. You're the most. You have the hair, so everyone recognizes yes. you anywhere you go. Right. Um, it, it's tough. I mean, I think he's had his growing pains. No one wants to win more than him. Look at the way he plays the game. No doubt. I mean, there's there's no straight passion, and and that's something that I'll always say. And everyone always wants to, you know, no matter what he does, if he's like doesn't tie his shoe the right way, that's going to be on ESPN. Yes. you know, and and that's something that I think is tough for a young man to handle. And he's in New York City. He's hanging out with his Stars. best friends. Are like, yeah, yeah. like the, I mean, who are they? the Kardashians and Rihanna and whoever it is. So like, I, I know that like I've heard stories where like you're kind of outside of a club or whatever, and then Odell walks by. Describe the scene. Describe how people react to him. I'll say what up to him. They'll be like, "What are you, a security guard, or like you're some guy that like wants to hang out?" With him? I'm like, "Oh no, no, we're on the same team." Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he uh-huh. is he is like so famous that he'll come up to a place and like he's he's literally right in. I'm still the one that's outside. Like, look, Google me. I play for the Giants. I swear, like I'm not lying to you. Um, but no, my friends always always make fun of me. They're like, "Oh, you know." Are you going to say it was up to Odell, or are you not, is he going to right. big time? You know, I'm like, what you, it's like someone in your class. You, no matter how famous someone is, yes. you know, at the end of the day, when you meet them face to face, they're still like, you're, he's still a human being. Yeah, right. We were uh, talking about this yeah. uh, about contracts, and we believe that we need some of the stars to hold out. I don't want it to happen to your team because it would suck. But Odell and Le'Veon are two guys yeah. right now that if they could throw Aaron Donald, and three. Aaron Donald. They don't play this year unless Khalil they get long-term Mack, deals. Yes. Whatever. That could maybe just because, you know, you see these contracts in the NBA. If Odell came into the locker room and said, guys, I got to do this. I'm, I'm like you. I got one year left, and I'm really worried that I'm only making 1.8 this year, and I know I'm worth a lot. How would that go over, like the business-slash-football discussion? Obviously, would be, people would be upset that he's not there. But if you sit back and look at it and not look at it from a selfish standpoint, you realize why he's doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think Odell is one of those personalities, one of those figures that has changed our sport. If you look at Nike shoe deals, and, and you can yes. attest to this. Yeah, I know. We've, we've talked about it. Guys are getting, like, I get 20000 a year in just merchandise. That's all I get. You get free gear, that's it, and, and I'm one and of the you higher. Donate, you donate some to your high school, which is awesome. I want to get that out there. And then, like, you'll hook up friends and family. But, yeah, $20,000, that's it in merchandise. Exactly. And you have to pay some taxes on that, too. So it's not like it's completely free, yeah. which obviously really nothing is. But for him to get a $5 million a deal, year deal with mm-hmm. Nike is setting a standard. He's mm. changing the way right. that athletes are perceived in football and getting us closer. Obviously, the discrepancy between off-the-field money between NFL and NBA players is astronomical. They almost make more off-the-field than they do on the court. Yes, right. Odell is bridging that gap. And mm. the more it comes, the next Odell Beckham that comes up, he'll get $10 million a year. And eventually, we'll start evening out in that aspect. But you know he's getting us in that direction. Yeah, yeah. and he's got to do it. He can't make 1.8 million dollars as the best receiver in football, if not the most famous guy in football, if not the best player in football, not named Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. It makes no sense. So that's why we always argue it because we go, "This is the way that the players can negotiate with the owners. They're not going to win at the table against no, 32 of the most selfish pricks ever. So that will never happen." Brandon Marshall 
any difference you notice with him in the locker room with Odell? I played with Brandon. He's a good friend of mine, so careful what you say, but uh, has it been good? <laughs> Literally, Brandon Marshall has been, like, the ideal teammate. I know And people is, have right. said, like, people are like, oh, you, you don't know him. You don't. I've been with him for, like, six weeks, and he'll, like, he, he'll text me, yeah, how you doing? Like, what's going on? Out of the blue. And I'm like, that's that's a quality guy in the uh-huh. locker room. And he I heard is. all the Jet things coming from the Jets locker room. Right. And I haven't seen any of that whatsoever. He's been the, so professional every practice, coming to work, staying late. Well, we're um, not going to really listen to Sheldon Richardson's take on Brandon Marshall, are yeah. we? I mean, it's kind of. I, I have a very. I'm simple... trying to avoid any more red. Don't dots, worry, so I'll say it for <laughs> you. But I mean, Sheldon Richardson's awesome player, whatever else. But he just doesn't have the clout or the background himself to be talking bad about other players right yes. now. Yes. Uh, all right. So let's change sports. One guy that's also in New York that. Could become as famous as Odell soon. Unleash the Kraken! Aaron Judge puts up 47 home runs uh, in the home run derby. Longest was 513. It's incredible to watch this motherfucker, man. I've been telling you about him since week two of the season, have I I not? I know, I know. Yes, I mean, it's amazing. Uh, I have a list of NFL players that Aaron Judge is bigger than. Right. He is 6'7". 282. Right, which is not right. He's not 282. I don't give a shit what anybody he's says. He's what, 260? 268, whatever. He's shrunken already during this season. If you just look at him at the start of the season now, the season's yeah. wearing on him. He's not getting lifted with much weights. Yeah, there's probably else. more players that he's that are just like taller than him. The list will be shorter. Like There's right. not many guys that are that much bigger than him. So Cam Newton is two inches smaller and uh, 27 pounds lighter than him. Mm-hmm. He's one inch and 17 pounds uh, bigger than Rob Gronkowski. He has two inches and 12 pounds on Clowney. He has three inches and eight pounds on Michael Bennett. It's unbelievable. So wait, let me just say this to, for Those fans out there. Those are also like the rookie That's stuff. why I want to tell everybody out there. Baseball, you're going to get the highest number for and basketball, the highest number. They measure basketball players with their sneakers on at the combine. Gotcha. Football players, their weights are usually the rookie weights, are usually below their normal weights. Yeah. Like, I mean, you see a guy listed at 285. Yeah, he was 285. Like, yeah, what are you listed at right now? I think I'm listed at 308. Right, and what are you right now? I'm actually 308 okay, right now. Okay, good. But I was, like, I, I have fluctuated. Like, I was, like, 315, 320 Right, they're year, usually yeah. low. I yeah. mean, usually the number you see listed in football is the low number. Uh, because so they're bulking little... up, they're getting to where they need to be. Like offensive linemen are a little different. A right. lot of those guys are trying to drop their weight. I'm an offensive lineman where once I'm done playing, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a skinnier guy. I'm not gonna be a 400 pound yeah. yes right. you know, monster. Dude, this motherfucker, okay, <sighs> had to hit 23 home runs in the first yeah. round of his first ever major league baseball home run derby, and he came out and delivered. And they didn't even count one that fucking hit the roof. Yeah, they, the, they didn't count it. So he hit twenty three. They didn't count the one that was maybe the biggest hit of the day. So uh, I, I was he amazed. Hit one that was over cool. the Marlins. That was amazing to watch. It was effortless. I looked up and I was trying to remember what other home run performances were as that impressive. Cespedes had one recently. Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah, you know who the best one was that right. Let's see if you Josh got to see Josh Hamilton. That was the one I was going to say. Josh, uh, Yankee Stadium was amazing. He had, he had 28 in one round. Griffey in Baltimore was amazing to me. What was the one? Didn't Bobby Abreu hit like a Bobby ridiculous Abreu amount of home runs? In, right. That was the one that I was saying. That was like his call to fame. You're right. It was that one. But then after that, it was. He actually tanked, I think, like the next week. He was never the same. Yeah. Like he got hit out by the Derby. At least he gave us the Derby. Exactly. So Aaron Judge, uh, it's funny. Every time he's on TV, it's ESPN. It's like, it's not even the Yankees versus the Red Sox. It's like Aaron Judge in a historical rivalry, you know, a historic rivalry. Uh, speaking of ESPN, Peyton Manning's hosting the ESPYs tonight. We are recording this on a Wednesday, obviously. Um, 
Um, I'm not a fan of the ESPYs. That's just me. I know they do a lot of good stuff for the good nature, but the reason I bring up Peyton Manning, Bruce Arians has a new book out called They the Do Court. a Lot of Good Stuff for the Good Nature? That's a... <sighs> I don't, uh, I'm trying that, to transition. You, you're very good for doing good stuff to the they good They do nature. the Jimmy V Foundation. I know. Which is great. Mean, which I is just, great. Yeah. That's, that's your, the only reason I was thinking about going is for that golf outing that they were doing out there yeah. for the Jimmy V. But I'm not much of a red carpet guy. It's not my. You're Mark, not, I'm sweating sitting right here. What do you think I'm going to do? You put me on a red bullshit. carpet. Bullshit. I know you got some good blazers in there you want to whip out. Yeah, it's for away games and, you know, yeah. when it's cold out. So Bruce Arians wrote a book called The Quarterback Whisperer, and he had two stories on Peyton Manning that I wanted to share on this podcast. Uh, one is how much of a mama's boy baby he is. Uh, in Indianapolis, he was infamous for not being able to properly use a can opener. And then one time, Arians visited him at his home, and he saw that he had pictures that his mom had given him on a closet door showing him what shirts went with what pants and shoes. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. He is the worst dresser I've ever seen. And she picked out his outfits as if he was still in grade school. I mean, Peyton is the worst $100 million man I've ever seen as dressing. He wears... I think some cheesy coats and some cheesy shirts. He's always got like the spot, the speckled shirts of like blue. Is blue Eli, and orange. Eli's not bad. Though. Eli's a little no. better. I wouldn't no. say Eli's Johnny Fashion. I'll say it. I don't really. I mean, whatever. But he's better than Peyton. I don't think Eli's really interested. I don't in, think he cares wearing, like, I, Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I did a rap video with those two guys one time. Like, oh, uh, uh, that like was a, funny. I was in the background of the rap oh, video. Yeah. Right. That was awesome. And Direct they were like TV. dressed. Yeah, they were like dressed like Kanye and like Jay Z. <laughs> Do you have a worse dress on the Giants right now? Does one come to mind? A worse dress that tries. That tr- I mean, there's a lot of guys that wear some outrageous stuff. Um, I wouldn't say worse dress, but the funniest dresser on our team is Dominique Rogers Cromartie. <laughs> okay, he gets like these crazy suits that are. I mean, you just have to look at his. You know what he wears sometimes. It's insane. He has like one. I'm trying to think. He, he wore one, and they made him go to Kmart or somewhere and buy another suit <laughs> while we were on the road because it had like all the. Uh, it had all these like cartoons on the suit. He really? he really wears whatever he wants. He goes to like some like. Some store in Newark and buy like, these crazy outfits. Man. The other story is Peyton the douchebag. Because I believe he is. I'm sure he's a nice guy. But when Steve Walsh was his backup in 99, Peyton's second year in the league, Steve brushed his teeth like 10 times a day. So one time Peyton Manning brought a toothbrush that looked just like Steve's. He then took a dump in the toilet, threw the toothbrush in there, and snapped a Polaroid of it. At lunch that afternoon, he asked Steve if he had brushed his teeth that day. Steve said he had, so Peyton slid that photo over to him, and Steve almost threw up oh, right there at the table. That's a good one. Yeah. I like that. That's a pretty good trick. Shows I mean, you I would I never. Shows I, you that I don't like Peyton because I'm like, what a dude. Well, I mean, I would never take a picture of like shit in a toilet. I, I just can't do it. I don't know. I don't want to see it. I don't care if it's my shit, your shit. I don't care whose shit it is. Uh, I think. I think he's the a whole, good practical joker, as is Eli. Eli is right? Well. Eli's a I was master. Gonna say the same thing. Yeah. I think. I think you? Yeah. They used to dye our gloves. So when we were rookies, they put that like that thief dye or whatever. When you steal a shirt and you would try to take that <laughs> yeah, off, like all stuff, purple yeah. and stuff. My hands were blue for a week and my feet were blue for a week. <laughs> I got I got got with the check one time and we went out for the rookie dinner. It was like uh, a, you yeah. know, it was like a seventeen thousand dollar check. But yeah. really, oh you know, my gosh. Like, yeah. But um, Ta- Eli's good. The thing is, I have to say about the Mannings, like they've always been like at the top of their games. So, like mm. they never really had to like grow up. I mean, you've always been the number one quarterback. You're always like you were like he was number two there. once. I was yeah. the number one high school quarterback. Eli was too. Yeah. Really? So slow it down. My bad. My bad. My bad. <laughs> no, but you're right. And they are amazing. And I'm only making fun of them for their dressing. I'm really yeah. making fun of Peyton. Peyton's an amazing host. 
Amazing. He's one of the best Saturday Night Live hosts it's just ever, in my ever opinion. Ever since I heard the story that he was calling media people after games to change the stories they were going to do and blaming other people so they didn't write, Peyton had a bad game because Peyton, but it was all, that That what threw me off. Sure. I'm going to be honest. There's a little the MO. Uh, oh, and you're talking about Practical Jokers, Eli, they got you. Ah, fuck. Oh, man. That. It was like that purple stuff that they like you put on your foot if you have like athlete's foot. Is that what kind of stuff he used? It's like the dye. If you go to buy, buy a shirt and right. it has like the thief-proof stuff, is right. that what you're talking about? Well, yeah. I had a, we had a, I had actually to put a die on my foot in Tampa once. Tampa, when I first got drafted, the year after they won the Super Bowl, it was the worst facility in football. It was literally right off the runway. Uh, it was called One Buck Place. Our ticket sales were in trailers, and we only had about four working showers, so you'd have a line outside, right? We'd come in, and there'd be, like, dead rats in the middle of the locker room. But I had a fungus on my foot in Tampa that, I mean, they couldn't identify. Like, the doctor was like, this is not athlete's foot. I don't know what this is. And I had to put this purple dye on my foot for, like, two months to get rid of it. And still no one gave me answers. Didn't a couple guys get MRSA down there and, like, yes. really hurt their careers? Yes. Well, John, the Tynes from the Giants, I knew got it and like ended his career. And I think he might have got it in the new facility. Well, Joe Jaravicious is the one guy I thought of right away, but he got it in Cleveland. He was on Tampa, then went to Cleveland as a free agent and got it there. But That's the scariest shit ever, that yeah. MRSA. I mean, in any locker room or anywhere in general. We had yes. the guy Daniel Fells get it and almost died. Yeah, right. Yeah. Crazy. It, can, it ruins careers. Talking of ending careers, Calvin Johnson was a retirement that I think surprised a lot of people. Mm-hmm. We were very honest at the end of his career, Sims. Very candid that he wasn't the same guy, but he definitely could have played a few more years. Definitely. Uh, he wasn't just the Calvin Johnson. He wasn't everyone... Julio, Antonio, yes. Odell, that So group. he was on a promotional trip in Italy, and he was talking about retirement, and he had this quote. I was stuck in my contract with Detroit, and they told me they would not release my contract, so I would have to come back to them. I didn't see the chance for them to win a Super Bowl at the time, and for the work I was putting in, it wasn't worth my time to keep beating my head against the wall, not going anywhere. It's the definition of insanity, and when it comes to the Super Bowl, he said, that's everybody's goal when they come to the league. That's the ultimate goal. I wanted to win it, and like I said, I just didn't see that opportunity with Detroit. (sighs) It frustrates me so much to hear someone be so frustrated that was so good and was so dominating this league for so long that seemed to be such a good guy that a shitty franchise would go, we're holding you against your will, in essence. At the same point, though, I was like, I know how committed you guys are to the craft, and I know that nothing will stop you from pursuing your dreams. And it was a little shocking for me to hear someone go, I just got to stop. I don't know. What was your take on that? My biggest thing is this. Okay, his last year was, what, 2015? I'm actually looking it up right now. 2015, right? So last year, first of all, they went to the playoffs. 2015 is what? They missed it. In 2014, they lost in that crazy game to Dallas, right, where they should have won, but they called the pass interference really late, right? And then Dallas lost with the Des Bryant catch the next week in Green Bay. So for him to say there is no hope of the Super Bowl, that's a little ridiculous of a statement when your team – probably should have been in the divisional playoff final eight game right there. So that's crazy. He, to me, sounds very bitter that they made him return a million dollars of his signing bonus. First of all, if he wanted to keep playing, he had a $24 million salary cap that year. He was going to get 15-something point whatever base salary. Um, There was a good chance that he might have not been on that team because he wasn't worth that price anymore. So they might have cut him realistically, just let him go to where he could have gone somewhere else. Other thing is, you talk to anybody in Detroit, you talk to Calvin Johnson, he couldn't practice the last four years of his career. All he did was play on Sunday because his knees were beat up and all those issues. So 
I just don't get what he's trying to accomplish by keep throwing the shade or the crap on Detroit. That's all I'm going to say. I never, I never want to put it on the player because people have to ask the questions for you to give those comments. He's yes. not calling people and saying, I want to say this, right. but your points are completely valid. And what I'll say is kind of play devil's advocate. Like, I don't know what he was going through, like, right. like physically yeah. wise. Like, right. I mean, he wasn't practicing for, you know, four, you know, four seasons yeah, and, and not playing and just playing right. on Sundays. That sucks to always be waking up, always be hurting. Yes. You, you know you've played your whole life. Like your body eventually starts to say, like, what the hell is going on? Uh-huh. What are you doing to me right now? Mindset that's today. Yeah, we yes. woke up. Yeah, my back was like, fuck. What did you do to me? <laughs> so maybe there was other things that went into it. It was more than just the you know, the million dollars he had to give back or whatever. But I also think from that standpoint, yeah, Calvin Johnson carried that franchise for yes, so many years, no doubt. For them to like. I, I want to know how much he, below. how much he how much value he gained for that team though. Right, they should have let him keep the million dollars. That was stupid. Now I will say that I went I wanted to go there. Sorry, and I kept ranting. That is fucking ridiculous that you asked the best player on your team in the last twenty years, other than Barry Sanders, right, to take here's a million dollars back. That's just petty. That's petty crap. And there's been the same owner both times. Right. The like, Fords, the, like the 49ers. Their best stars have retired. So Bartolo gave Steve Young a million dollars when he retired. He goes, here's an extra million because you were so great. We, we say that all the time that we think Bob Kraft has given these guys money under the I, table. I mean, he's going to take care of them one way or another. Like yeah. the Troy, Troy Brown and, you know, uh, who's the damn little Kevin, Kevin Falk. Falk. They're not coming around because, like, they're just like, oh, I want to go see Mr. Kraft on Sunday. Yeah. He's giving them appearances. They're getting paid for whatever it is. Uh, so we have talked a lot about wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, we both believe Odell Beckham is the best wide receiver in the NFL. And Marcus Mosher, you can find him on Twitter, at Marcus underscore Mosher, put out the receiving charts for six wide receivers. Oh, you told me about this. Odell, right? Julio, Antonio Brown, A.J. Green, Dez, and Amari Cooper. And it has stuff like... Uh, Charts like catch percentage, how many times it's thrown on a certain route in the catch, yards, first down receptions, and yards after catch for every single route. And it's slant, go, in, out, corner, post, screen, all that stuff. I want to go through these because I do think it's interesting to look at these top receivers and where they're best at. So what do you think the um, – who do you think had the best percentage on a go route of those six guys? Julio? Antonio, AJ, Dez, Amari, and Odell. The AJ. Be- yeah, I would say Julio. Antonio Brown. Ooh. 52%. He also had the most yards. He also has the best deep ball thrower yeah. throwing to him. 362 yards and eight touchdowns. Odell had the worst percentage. He, yeah. uh, well, well, I'll get to that too. Like, I mean, I think he's like a give me a slant, give me a curl, give me something short, and I'll take it to the house. No doubt. Yes. And I would say this I'm not expecting you to say this. I've said this before. Eli is not one of the best down the field throwers in football, in my opinion. So I'm just going to throw that on there. Please don't comment on that, at Justin Pugh. I'm no, I'm no quarterback guru, so I have not. I well done. Tell you. He, but he had, he did have over 300 yards on go routes, and he had the most yards after catch on go routes, which I, which so, means it's probably like a poorly thrown, underthrown 25, 30 yard and ball, he and he makes it something it. happen. Exactly. Uh, the oh, the other guy that struggles a little bit, I thought, was Julio. Uh, only had two touchdowns and and only had 15 attempted go routes Again, all season. He's not a great deep ball thrower, Matt Ryan. He's a good intermediate to lower. People don't realize that, but he's not bombs away. It's not that kind of game. The stat I was excited to look at was slant yards after catch. It's got to be Odell it's or, or Antonio. Right. It's gotta, they got to be one too. So this was for Julio me. Get in this too. Though. This was for me the guys that take a short pass yes. and are fucking. 
Frucking fast. Frucking freaks, <laughs> and they go crazy. Frucking freaky fast. Odell wins it by such a large, large margin. Uh, of course he does. 196 yards after catch total. Closest one is Julio at 141, and then no one else is over 100. Wow. Uh, he has 326 uh, total yards on slants. Mm-hmm. Which is by far the most. AJ AJ Green is the least on all this, which was surprising to me. AJ Green only has 15 yards after catch on slants and 66 total on slants. Man, the did, goal did he get hurt last year? AJ did get hurt he last did year. Get he missed hurt. a lot and of that, time. You're right. Right. Uh, but Odell also has four touchdowns, which is doubles up the second. And guy. what is the craziest thing about that? I think about Dallas was for a win. Win he won the game. Baltimore. Baltimore win. with a, a minute left for a win. I can't. I can't think. Of, I like you. Cleveland, think of Cleveland was Cleveland clutch. was the three touchdowns. Reverse punt right. return and the the catch. Well, yeah, the punt return got called back, which was crazy. oh yeah, right. oh, yeah. Got called back. But yes, it, I, it, was, I, it was a touchdown. This is touchdown. what we have, I have said. This is my defense all the time for him. He will win you games with ordinary plays. That's what separates him from the pack, in my opinion. I can't so, think of the last one. What yeah, I can't remember one? it either. But uh, the last one, what his fourth like touchdown slant that he took to the house. Oh, uh, it was Philly. It was da- no, I, I got Dallas second Dallas too. It was Philly, I'm pretty sure. Gosh, it might have been Philly. Wouldn't shock me. Odell was the only wide receiver with 300 yards on two routes. It was a slant and the go. Mm-hmm. Julio is the only wide receiver on this list with 200 yards on four routes. Post, slant, in, and go. Right. Some of the things that were surprising to me, uh, Julio did not catch a screen pass all year. Mm. Wild in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Antonio Brown didn't catch a corner route the entire year. Mm. Um, AJ only had on the flats. He had a negative catch. So in the on flat routes, he didn't catch after the catch. That's not AJ's game unless it's a straight line path because that's when he can just fly. And Amari Cooper. Caught nine screens for thirty-one yards, Damn. so they just it didn't work well. Right. Uh, and then Odell only caught two screen passes for negative five yards. We complained all year last year. Just we got to throw him some of those bullcrap passes just yes. to get him involved in the game. So we're not in the third quarter going. Damn, we haven't given the best player of the, on the field the ball yet. But it just shows you that Odell. So much of his statistics were after the catch and on short passes. I, I, I mean. I don't think people, again, I think people are so worried about hating on the guy that they're going to miss out on appreciating the talent. Almost like I've always said LeBron. to people, well, like LeBron or Peyton Manning 10 years ago when they were yes. like, oh, Tom Brady's better. No, just who cares? Watch Peyton. He's amazing. Watch him. Odell Breckham Jr. Like a Ooh, Odell Breckham. Odell he's Breckham. A, he's, he's a, fr- he's a fucking freak. That fucking freak Odell Breckham. Wikipedia him, okay? Wikipedia him. And go down to the bottom, and you start to go through his NFL records that he has already, and you start to realize he is on pace to be the greatest receiver of all time. Statistically, and I know numbers don't say it all, my eye also says it, but you just go through it. Fastest to get 4,000 yards. Fastest to get 3,000 yards. Most 130-yard receiving games. I mean, the list is enormous, and he is on pace to be the greatest receiver in the history of football. And Jerry Stop Rice did it about with the, the net and him arguing with the fucking field goal net. Jerry Rice did it with a revolutionary offensive system that the NFL had never seen. And he's running that same exact offense that Jerry was running in 1988. 20, 20 years later. Yeah, 30, 30 years, years later. later right. Yeah. Oh, the, uh, no, you don't say anything. Yeah. Your offense sucks. I don't. We don't like your offense. Sorry. We hate it. It's slant fight. Don't say anything. <laughs> unless you want to say something. I just want to say something about Odell. No, I mean, okay. he's... He's the most athletic person I've ever seen. Like, 
in practice, he'll spin the ball and like it'll just like rotate, like kind of like a, like a celebrating in the end zone, like forever. He's thirty yards out and he'll kick it through the uprights with his right foot. He'll spin it again and yeah. kick it through with his left foot. Yeah, that he could play any major league. Any major sport in the, in the, in the, in the country. We, we talked about this. If he wanted well. to play soccer from the, the time he was born, he would have been messy. He would have been better we, than messy. We need him. I mean, don't, isn't our, how good is our soccer team right now? We could probably still he, – he might be able to play. Oh, right. yes. I have a story. He's a freak, man. A I, I'm time. glad to hear you say that, though, that there you are. You've been around all these freaky players here going into year five of the NFL and major division one football, and you're going, he's the greatest athlete I've ever seen in person. So that says a lot. I just don't think people realize what they're watching. Um, I have a 50 cent story. Uh-huh. I kind of told just a little <laughs> bit. Um, so I've, uh, man, I can't believe I'm going to do this on the podcast. 50 cent story. I'm really excited. Here. You, I haven't told you. You weren't expecting this. Girl, no, huh? I was not. So I've been dating a girl now for a little bit more than a month. Hmm. I can't believe I'm saying this on the podcast. You know how I keep my personal life usually to myself. Uh, she's so hot. And I have to no, say but- it's part of the story. So she is black. Yes. Okay. We are driving in from Queens, and we had spent the day picking up stuff or whatever, and we're coming in, and I see this car on the left, and I see this girl's hair out the window, and she's kind of like shaking her hair out. And I look and I go, oh, it's a purple car. It's a, it's a blue car. It's a purple candy, and a blue candy car. Candy purple? Or- it was like a purple that was transitioning <laughs> to blue, and I went, that's a Rolls Royce. And my girlfriend goes, oh, it's probably 50. He was raised in Queens. She was raised in Queens. Jamaica, Queens, right. And I was like, maybe. That would be crazy. Oh, he is wearing a power hat that show that he does. She goes, Adam, that's 50 Cent. And I was like, oh, so we both got excited because we both love hip hop music, and it's fifty fucking cent. Like you put get you deal. put get rich or die trying on right away. And I you cranked it. it up. It's one I, of the I best, like, one of the like, best like, albums ever. I was like, where is your aux cord? Like, I need to put it in. The car is here. We start to slide up. I'm I'm sitting back. I'm just chilling. I'm not going to make a scene or whatever. He leans. He sees her and leans over and goes, look at you, you tall, chocolate, sexy motherfucker. And she goes, what up, Queens? And then he goes, you got some sexy, with another girl in the car, you got some sexy ass lips. And as he's saying that, I was the first one I heard. I lean forward. When I tell you the shock on his face, he didn't know you were there. He, he and I'm white. So were he, you driving? No, I'm in the passenger gotcha. seat. Yeah, but car. you were really leaning back, huh? I, no, I was just, I was honestly just sitting back. He goes, "You got some sexy ass. What the fuck are you doing in that car?" And I look over and I go, I "Love it." I go, "You know, man, I'm just, you know, just trying to live." And he goes, "He goes, you lucky ass motherfucker." And he was like, "Hell yeah, that's cool." And then the girl looks over. She goes, "You know, you better take care of that girl." And I was like, "Yeah, I got it." And he was like, "All right, guys, have a great night." And then we're sitting there. I'm like, "Oh, that was so awesome!" Because like I watch Fifty's eyes just be like. What? But then I was sitting there going, how many times has 50 rolled up on someone and been like, leave your car here and hop in the back of my Rolls Royce and we'll get out of here. It's growing on trees. What was he trying to do? He's trying to get a number. You should have sat back and you could have found out. You should have not leaned forward. But then I started to think, I was like, would I have, if 50 kept going, I mean, 50, when you listen to his songs, he is not afraid to threaten a person. No. Man, that would have been tough. I wouldn't have known what to do. I would have called somebody and been like, oh, Justin, yeah, actually siblings. I need some help. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how quick I can get to Queens from That's Jersey City. That's an awesome been... story, though. Oh, dude, it was great. Per- Candy Purple Rolls Royce. Yeah. I thought he was broke. 
No, yeah. he's still he's still rolling deep. Yeah, of course he is. But yeah. we were sitting there, and I was like, "Well, I was like, do I hit him up on Twitter right now and be like, hey, man, you want to come on the podcast?' Hey, I was that Jewish guy you saw on the <laughs> Long Island Expressway. <laughs> uh, I just thought you'd appreciate that. It, it cracked me the hell up. That is, that's awesome. Uh, we got a lot of good iTunes comments, five stars again. If you guys leave us an iTunes review uh, and the comment, I'll make sure to read it. I want to give a shout out to Ottawa to Twelve. He can't wait for Thursdays to come because he can listen to the podcast. Roadrunner for Life, it's the world's best podcast, and he just wanted to say that the Eagles' defense will be top five next year. <laughs> Hope so. Don't, oh. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> you kind of coughed like you didn't believe it. I, I like, ran out of water. Um, uh, yeah. Titan Editor says, I can't live without us weekly. He loves that we're now going twice per week. I'm excited about it, too. Uh, Sunday out of 21 wanted to bring up hypocrisy. Yeah. Sims is like, I hate when NBA players bring their kids on stage. And then a week later, he has both of his kids on the podcast. Uh, yes. Uh, they were cute, though. And then he says, how, would you guys, how could you guys leave out Champ Bailey when you're bringing up the best defensive backs of all time? Is he up at that list? He is. Uh, if, if we didn't put him in that conversation that was my fault strictly just forgot champ bailey i played with him in 2009 he was a, when I was a, he was a guy that i knew he was great because yes. he was a 99 and madden every year he was amazing and had the brains and intellect and the instinct instincts all that to take it to another level i would say in my lifetime again the people i've really got to watch at corner to where i was at an age to where i could actually say oh i evaluated like i said dion would be one darrell Rivas would be two i would probably put daryl green three and i would put champ bailey four wow. and you know me i'm a football historian i know i'm not going to go back to the 70s and 60s and act like i watch that but i watch a lot of that type of football regardless and that would be he'd be in the list champ champ's the man iTunes uh, last one. This one is so in the weeds that I want to give this guy props. He his name is No Signatures. Is that a for bringing my kids to. The no, podcast? I thought it was funny. They were great. They okay. cursed. Uh, no signatures, <laughs> just respect. The Goat Podcast goes three Pete. Unreal. First, Lefko reads my first ever review in question. Then lets the intro music finally breathe. Now Sims and Lefko going twice per week. I am so fucking pumped. These guys are so smooth, like a lefty spiral from Sims to Keyshawn. Woo! Warren Sat would agree. <laughs> Not only are they using their podcast, their platform to drop the best football p- content out there, but they also speak the truth about health and environment sustainability. Yes. In no way are they leftist. They're just simply stating facts. Right. Like when they kicked refined sugar. It's life-changing. Hashtag no Gatorade anymore. This guy is so in the week. I love it. Hashtag vegan strong 35 days now. He goes, seriously, it's time we heard from Fendrick's family. Um, and then what did he say? Well, he is in the weeds. He goes, he goes, here goes, here are the questions. How many Fendrick clones would it take to give the Fendrick species a shot to survive an interpodcast death fight? So how many Fendricks would have to fight you and I to survive? Oh gosh. I think it would take two two and a half Fendricks to beat me. I think it might even take more than that. I, I think don't it, know. I don't know. I'd That's like a to lot think, at one I'd time. I'd like to if you threw me five Fendricks at me. I think I feel comfortable. Fendrick is our producer. He's like every New Jersey nerd ever. He's a great guy, but we could definitely kick I his I just ass. feel like if I threw five Fendricks at me, like I'm going to get the first two out of the way with the first two punches. You're going <laughs> to John Wick them. It's just going to be over there. And I'm going, okay, three, let's go. Like your Infinity Bros. There's seven of them. How much do you all think if them. all seven came at you, you could take them? They would be so scared. The first one would just get knocked out, and the rest of them, I think, would just run. yeah. Because right. you would scare they're the all, shit. They're, they're all uh, they're all Jewish guys. I'm the only not, I'm the only non Jewish yes. guy, and, and Jewish guys aren't really fighters. I don't think you can, uh, you're going to test. No, this. we're negotiators. <laughs> 
Yes. We're like, you sure diplomats, you want to fight? Diplomats. How much can I give you not to fight? And then... Man, that was a long comment. He had a lot I wanted to say there. Uh, yeah, I w- hey, listen, if I can say one thing about the environment, I just want to say, like, <laughs> can we listen to the experts on it instead of just, like, like, five people who don't know what they're talking about? Like, I'm just so sick of people who are experts in other fields are now going to tell the scientists who are experts in in our atmosphere, their atmospheric scientists, they're going to tell them what their job is. So if you let those those scientists come and do your job, then maybe I'll listen to you, what you have to say about their job. Until and, that time, shut up. And that environmental comment was brought to you by the Earth. All right, so now I have a bunch of Twitter questions. Uh, we'll go with Pew first. This one's from Mneezy28. What and how much do you eat for a regular day? Mm, good question. Ooh, um, do you go have- down to the calorie? No, I don't go that crazy. I, I am getting a chef for the season, though. Good. Well, dude, I saw you out, and we're all drinking, and you're sitting there with like chicken breast and romaine lettuce. So you're you keep it tight. I try to. I try to during the weeks eat, eat as healthy as I can. So then on the weekends, I can eat. And he said, "What yeah. about your cheat day?" I'll go on pizza is like my biggest my okay. biggest go to whole pizza. Or, not a whole pizza. I'll get a variety of slices. I get my buffalo slice. I get my you know my Sicilian slice. Yeah. I get my pepperoni slice. Yeah. Some type of bacon chicken ranch. I do a couple garlic knots. Yeah. Pizza is a great cheat. Ba- great cheat food. Or like a sandwich, like from like our hometown. Primos is amazing. Yeah, I got to go with that. So it, it's what is your pizza place? Dominic's. Dominic's. Yeah. You're what six four three fifteen right now? Three oh eight. Six five. I round up. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. I know. I mean, I just you know. You're, you're, he holds it together. That's well, what I mean. He doesn't look he's one of, exactly right. That's there's Pew is one of those guys that's yeah he's three oh eight because he's in shape. He's yes. muscular and he really you look like you're like two ninety. I, I think I got skinny jeans on right now too. Wow. They're kind of tight. I got them taken in a little bit. So I think it's like a <laughs> you probably never seen a three hundred plus guy with like not skinny jeans, but they're kind of tight. They're they're tailored. Tight. I, I like tried them on for the first though. time today, and they fit. Amnesi28 comes back <laughs> with uh, some real questionable stuff. He also said, which teammate has the biggest wang? JK, I don't want to know. That's what he wrote. But he still said it, Yeah, which means he's curious. He clearly wants to know. I used to know the biggest wang on every one of my teams. Do we want to do that on this podcast? Probably not. I can't say their names, even though they'd probably be like, yeah, please give my big wang credit. But I can't say. I don't know. I don't. You shower. I mean, the shower is literally like They're like, you're right next guys. to people. I don't care what you say. You're going to see down there eventually. I mean, get over it. Jeez. Yeah. Right. I just, yeah, I can't name. Maybe I should call around to the big wangers and say, hey, can I talk about your big wang on the podcast? We can do that on the next podcast. Okay. Since this big wang award. Now, is this big wang? Are these people? Are we talking about the wangs? Like the, no, the, we're talking the about family? I went, to a, I went to school with the wangs. I'm just making sure we're not talking about the family. They had some tall kids, though. Uh, speaking of things in that nether region, uh, F-150 said, peeing in the game, hold it or just go? We have a bathroom right behind. Gotcha. Oh, they got one right the there for you? So home games are great. Right. Away games, I don't like to pee in my I don't like my. I don't like to get all wet. Yeah. My roommate in college, he now is like going to be a Harvard graduate lawyer. He, he used to pee in his oh, pants. Man. Oh. I couldn't do it either. Yo, you're a germaphobe. And Schlereth, Schlereth peed he in his used pants, to pee. right? He talks about it all the time. I mean, he's, it he's, like very, he used to do he's very proud of that. Yes. Uh, Not for me. Ugh. Uh, the fake Albert tweets, when Adam Lefko is out in New York City with his yuppie friends, what is their shot of choice? I'm betting fireball. Tequila, they're not men enough. It's all I fucking drink is tequila. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, we did a couple shots of tequila. We definitely at, did a Rock shot. and Riley's that one Exactly. Time. Shout out Rock and Riley's. Lefko's into his health right now, and tequila's the healthiest, healthiest drink unbelievable. out unbelievable. So, of course, you're going to be drinking that. Uh, uh, Peter Edwards for Sims. What is the biggest lie you tell your kids? Not just the usual Santa bullshit, some real juicy lies. Oh. Oh, okay. 
Gosh, you're, I, you're really honest. I am with your really kids. honest. There's not a whole lot. Of, I mean, I've already had like the sex talk with my kids. Hold on, uh, both of them. Your yeah, kids kind of five. Know. Well, my my 11 year old certainly knows because she loves animals and she's seen enough of the animal shows where they mate. So she's figured <laughs> it out. She asked us about four years ago. In fact, parents and her. In her elementary class, got mad because they were like, "I think your daughter's been talking to my daughter about sex," and we were like, "Damn, well, we cert- we really haven't talked to her about it yet, but she loves animals, and I think she's kind of figured it out." So, uh, what man, were the first animals that made it that she saw that she was like, "What is this, Daddy?" I think it was elephants. Wow, like, she was like, what, is, what are they doing? What is she doing? I was like, "Oh, they're kissy, kissy, huggy, huggy, Charlotte." And then and she was like, "Oh, okay," um, and. <laughs> <laughs> elephants. Yes, elephants. Right. Kissy, kissy. Okay, that's the code. But word. wait, Philip, six-year-old Philip. Philip, Philip. Um, he's got a pretty good deal. I don't think he really knows the whole sex thing yet. He I knows mommy not. and daddy need their time together sometimes. What? But yeah, you does. don't say you're wrestling. No, we don't even say that. We just go. I guess. Shut up. Leave us alone. Don't come up here. Any other lies? I don't lie. I don't lie. I don't know. I can't think of anything that's off the top of my head right now. No. Dear God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, let's get a football one here. D. Daler, between Derek Carr, Jameis, Mariota, Wentz, and Dak, who would you start your franchise with? Oh, Derek Carr, Jameis, Mariota. So you have Jameis and Mariota. Right. I like to go by draft class. Yeah. Jameis and Mariota, Wentz and Dak, and then Carr. I am gonna go. It's for me. It's gonna be Winston or Carr. I think Wentz is really close too because I, you know, I love me some Carson Wentz. I'm a little worried about Carson Wentz's arm and just I. What the fuck do you mean? Well, uh, you've never said this before. We've talked about his technique issues. How he lets his arm get a little too long at times. I do think he has arm problems too sometimes in his elbow because of the way he throws. It's kind of what I've heard under the radar. So hopefully he can get those fixed out. But to me, it's Derek Carr or James Winston. I would probably go Derek Carr. I'm going to just I say think so it. Too. It's really tough. I love Jameis Winston, and I love his leadership and everything he brings that way. You want to spe- answer on this? Those are my two guys. Which yeah. I'm not, you know, trying to copycat here. Yeah. But I, that speech that Jameis Winston gave at one time, like a Florida State, like yeah. that's what sold me on him. He's a leader. Those he guys is. around there are buying into what he's selling. Right. And, and obviously, Derek Carr is an unbelievable player. Right. Obviously, it's shown with how much he got paid this year. Yeah. But I'm going Jameis Winston. Okay, cool. Yeah, Carr and Winston definitely have the strongest arms. Mariota is a freak. It's hard to compare him to people because he's just a different type of offense that he runs. Yeah. Wentz is in that Carr mode, but Carr is yeah. further along and better than him. Yes. And Dak, love Dak. I just want to see it again. Yes. It's, just, it's hard. Same with Wentz, though. Like it's you know one yeah. year in the system, yes. you got to see it for a few years in a row. No yeah. doubt. That was like the dumbest thing about the NFL top hundred is that Dak Prescott was number fourteen. That that makes no sense. He wouldn't have been the top fourteen quarterbacks for me, let alone the fourteenth best player in the league. Liam Horsley, eighteen. Where does the Giants' defense rack in the NFL, and who does Sims think is the best three Giants of all time? Oh gosh. Okay. Best three Giants of all time. Well, hold on. Giants' defense, I definitely think is a top five unit. No uh, doubt. I think I'm a little bit curious about what's going to happen with Hankins leaving, uh, but you have that secondary together. Another year of experience for Landon Collins. The corners are really solid. Um, I Spags is back, right? Yeah. Uh, I like what they were able to do last year, um, and I think that the offense being better this year with Marshall and Ingram, will they could take some pressure off the defense, too. What did they finish last year? Uh, they finished 10th in football in yards. But remember, I think they were second in points. Let me right, which is what really that. matters. Yes, they were second in points only behind the New England Patriots. Um, to me, I, I think mm, 
I still think I would go with the Houston Texans as the number one defense. Oh, I don't in think the Giants are top. I think the Giants though are in the converse. So I would go. And I'm Houston. a little bit worried about not having a pass rusher. Yeah, well, they got JPP and Olivier, I but I get Olivier you. Vernon was hurt for a little bit last year. Okay, so that, there, there's, there's some, some good insight. information. Uh, I would, if you made me just rank them real quick, I would go Houston Texans one. I would go uh, Denver Broncos two still. Okay, I'm putting the Patriots above the Giants too. I'm not. Okay, I, I'm going to put the Giants. I think three. And I'm going to put Minnesota four and Seattle five. And then the Rams are up there, too. The Rams are up there, too. And then I'm probably going to go New England six or seven right in there. But I, Don't I think, sleep on – yeah, I yeah, was going to say the Falcons, yeah. but they're not in that class. I think you have to – the way you have to view a defense, too, obviously you look at points. There were so many times, and obviously this is my defense, so I'm a little biased, yeah. where the other opposing offense came onto the field with a chance to win the game yes. and our defense stopped Made the them. plays, yeah. right. So if, if – the year before, we didn't. We lost those games when our defense went onto the field. So I think that's my biggest way of judging the defense. Points obviously reflects that because they don't let up those scores. Yeah, but, but at it the must end of the stop game, situations. When you need a stop, our defense came up big. Yeah. Best three Giants ever. Oh, best three Giants. Okay, so Lawrence Taylor. Uh, I'm probably going to have to say Michael Strahan would be in Ooh. that group. Um, and then that's where it becomes, you know, the Eli, Phil Sims. Um, I'm not going to say Mark Bavaro. Who else am I missing? I mean, Odell is Gary Carson dancing along those guys. But I think at the end of the day, it's Eli Manning. Wow. I think Eli Manning. I mean, I think, listen, I always will say this. I think my dad had more physical ability than Eli Manning. But Eli Manning's had the better career, plain and simple. And, and uh, he has two marquee moments that will go down in history. I have no doubt. I mean, that's And a, your, your dad had one. He had one. He had, a great, he had the greatest Super Bowl ever, maybe as a quarterback. But Eli, I think, had two amazing runs of clutchness for both of those Super Bowl runs. And then had to be really clutch in the Super Bowl yeah. to win the game. And he did that. I think for me, uh, my favorite Giants, uh, Plaxico Burris was yeah. up there. Yeah. Uh, Tiki Barber fucking killed us oh, right. all the time. He was a beast, man. And, uh, man, the Jason Seahorn interception on the Eagles oh, in the divisional I game. I was there. Where he patted it around like yeah. a kitten with a ball of yarn fucking killed me. I was there. Yeah. That was I'll, I'll you were an the, Eagles I'll fan tell you the, I'll tell you the you best any... offensive lineman to ever play for the Giants. Sure. Chris Snee, you know. I mean, uh, Chris Snee. That O line was just the best in general. They Chris were Snead, amazing. David Deal, those yes. guys were unbelievable. And then you have Brandon Jacobs, yeah. who was oh. six foot four and was running like a tractor trailer. Who was your favorite football player growing up? Um, I was an Eagles fan, so I was a big fan of Brian Dawkins. I think mm. everyone. I think even if you weren't an you Eagles fan, you had a cheer. For he's he's every one of my passwords. No uh, we're going to end on a positive <laughs> note. Josh Galindo, seventy-eight for Sims and Lefko, and we'll extend this to Pew. Thank you. What was the best advice anyone ever gave you that helped your professional career? How would you echo that to others? Uh, I'll lead it off. I, I just. Uh, my father always told me, like, if you wanted to be good at it, you better work at it. He, and he always would use other, like, sports, like, stars to give me the examples. Like, he'd be like, listen, Christopher, Michael, Jor Michael Jordan's amazing because, like, everybody in the NBA tells me he's a crazy worker. He'd be like, Deion Sanders is the best because everybody says he goes home and works. So I would say that was the thing that I was always instilled with. Like, if you want to be good work. at it, you got to be willing to work at it. You got a good one, or do you want me to go? Go. Give me a second. Uh, the, the one that comes to my mind, I was uh, – so this is for people that like broadcasting. It's really for anything, though. I was at Syracuse, and we had this class where one day you actually put on a show. So from beginning to end, you put on a show. And so one day you're the anchor. The next day you're the reporter. The other day you're the producer. Well, one time I was weather. And whether you shot a story during the day and you submitted it, you shot it, you wrote it, you edited it, and then you go and do the weather. So I'm spending the whole fucking day on this story. And I uh, 
spend zero time preparing for the weather. So I submit it. I'm putting on my tie as they're like, Adam, we're coming to you in five, four, three. And I just fucking wung it. And I just went up there and I was like, Monday, ooh, it looks cold. Be careful, wear a jacket. Tuesday, I just fucking did it. And after the class, the professor pulls me aside. His name was Professor Courier. He was a reporter for it's like CBS News back in the day. And he pulls me aside. He goes, what did you do for weather? And I go, I'm so sorry. Like, I really didn't prepare for whatever. He goes, no, that was the first time I actually liked you on camera. I go, what do you mean? He goes, you didn't talk like a fake piece of shit. You actually were you. Right. And you were funny. And you did stuff. And he goes, always be yourself. Right. On camera, off. Don't think that you need to be something to be on camera. Yeah. Be you and it'll just translate so much. Right. And that was something that I've, I passed down to everybody. I've always believed. But I think it's the same thing for you guys. Sure. If you're a quarterback and you get into the huddle, don't try and be Jameis Winston if you're not Jameis Winston. Be you. Yeah. Just like with you were saying before about the technique. Eventually, you're going to have to be Justin Pugh. You're going to have to be a little fucking dirty yeah. and punch someone in the face. So that was the advice that kind of stuck it's with good me. Good advice. Um, I don't have one of those moments sure. where I would say like I used my my dad used to work and he would bury cable and he would connect like the he my, once my parents got divorced my mom got remarried I went and stayed with my dad for a month to go do this and we're doing like manual labor we're, we're putting cable lines for so you can watch TV from wherever the telephone pole was and digging holes under driveways and and putting it into the houses. Man. And I remember thinking how shitty it was and how my dad used to work his balls off. And, like, he never went to college. So I remember that time at that point. My mom's a teacher, and she's very big into education. I would say the one thing that no one can take away from you. Someone can take away your NFL career. You'd have a Nego. Something could happen, you know. But your education is something that I would always say to make sure you get. And that's what I tell, always tell kids these days or whenever. The smarter you are, you're going to be able to have conversation. You're going to be able to, you know, get to those levels and that's what I would I would make sure to do get your degree go yeah. go go do some good things and, yeah. and that's something that Cuz the true I, thing I is look you just did however long this is probably one of our longest podcasts ever you did this whole thing and you were fucking awesome, and you were able to carry a conversation, and there's a reason why all the media companies come and talk to you, because you can do this. We know not every football player can do this. No. A lot of them aren't paying attention and able to comment. What were you going to say? No, I'm just going to say, I mean, we like you very much. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Uh. No, I think that's awesome advice. Uh, guys, you guys are great. Please, again, hit us up on iTunes, the comments. We will try and read as many as we can. Five-star reviews. We appreciate it. Hit us up on the Twitter account, at Sims and Lufko, or hit me up on my personal accounts, at Adam Lufko. What is yours? At, at Justin, Justin Pugh. At Justin Pugh. He's a good guy. He'll interact with you as well. Justin, I won't. Yeah, no. You, he doesn't even know his fucking passwords. Uh, it's not Brian Dawkins. <laughs> we will be back on Monday. Uh, we'll be doing a Facebook Live, so check us out on the Bleacher report account and then 123 will be next wednesday josh fendrick will be back for mr pew for sims he's not homies i'm lufko we'll holler at you guys next week let's go hit the showers